welcome back to the Detroitiest, dirtiest, talkiest podcast in the world. That's right, it's another episode of Detroit Dart Talk. I'm Alex, and in the studio with me today is... Tim. And I have a very special guest. Go ahead and introduce yourself. And this is Jay Reese. Some of you might know me as Sir George. Great to have you. So, uh, yeah, we're going to be talking to Jay today about uh, a few different things. Um, His club uh, that he is a part of out west, uh, and especially his shop, Armstrong Accessories, uh, which we have all become quite big fans of recently. So, Tim, you want to start us off with our first topic? Yeah, so, uh, um, I mean, my my recent projects... um, Setting aside Nerf for a moment, I've uh, uh, Milo and Imogen, my younger two kids, uh, recently had their Pinewood Derby, and uh, being a 3D printer like I am, um, always end up including some 3D printed parts in their cars. Um, uh, So this year, um, Imogen decided she wanted to do a narwhal. So that was pretty (laughs) easy because I looked up a unicorn horn and 3D printed that off in a glittery filament. and glued that onto the top of a whale that we carved out. Um, but then I also 3D printed a shell and and made that for myself um, to race as well. Um, so uh, hobby, one hobby intersecting with another is always uh, kind of fun. Um, oh, yeah. But then I've also been uh, re, realigning, re-upgrading, I, I I don't, I don't know what the right word I want to use is, but uh, I've been uh, tinkering with my loadout um, with the um, uh, upcoming events like Boiler Dome and uh, uh, PA Survival Fest. Um, uh, I used to run Warp Size, and I, w- I ran them triple on my vest so that I could have uh, 15 mags on my friend. And I recently switched over. Uh, to another product that we're going to hear more about here in a little bit, um, um, the Armstrong Accessories Quivers. And it's nice because um, I can get the same amount in about the same amount of real estate, but they're orientated um, all side by side to each other um, in a way where if I pull one out and just rotate my wrist, it's orientated right to go into the mag as opposed to having to uh, turn it 90 degrees. Um, and also because it's one solid piece, instead of, um, using shock cord to sandwich layers together, it's much more sturdy. Um, so, uh, I didn't finish up the vest before our last Z13. Um, so I definitely plan on, uh, running it, uh, for at least one match. Um, probably the, uh, first regular, um, zombie death match that we do at the next Z13 on April 1st. Uh, just to you know, fully test it out in the spe- in the true spirit of the origins of Z13, since uh, it was designed to help us prepare for uh, big invitationals. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, and then I, I also plan on changing out the ones on my drop leg and and stuff too. It, in addition to um, changing the orientation and just a nicer, sturdier mount for everything, um, it also adds a Nice big swatch of orange to my tactical gear, which uh, uh, more brightly coloring my my gear has definitely been on my mind recently after uh, after what occurred in East Lansing uh, about 
Yeah, it's been about a, what a month and a half month. About a month. Yeah. Um. So that's been on my mind. Um. So having the nice big, um, spot of color, um, in my otherwise black year, which I've talked about this with a few people. It's kind of interesting because like when I was first picking out gear, like there's there's the typical black, tan, and green, and in my mind the olive da- olive drab green and the tan were more militaristic than black was. So I went with <laughs> black uh, gear because I was thinking, you know, military doesn't use the, that color. Um, they use the olive drab or the tan, depending on what uh, what type of operation they're in. And uh, I, that seems to be the opposite opinion of what most people carry. So adding some bright colors to it is... Um, been something that's on been on my mind so Definitely. that helps as well um alex i know you have a pretty interesting project product project that you've been working on um, yeah the last few days I, i've had a few things um i'll kind of start chronologically i i too was upgrading my gear and tweaking my loadouts and such with the same thing as you uh so we'll get into that more later um, but as far as projects that I've been doing beyond that, um, I did a Acunub for the game face Tryon, um, which Jay conveniently here, uh, was pretty much my sole beta tester for and kind of confirmed that it worked and locked on great. So thank you, Jay. Um, so yeah, I got that out pretty quickly. It was a pretty easy, um, update. And then, uh, I have been beta testing a a forbidden kitten of sorts but this one won't guess, really be forbidden will it it won't it won't no it's the sanctioned kitten uh, so uh adam's not here right now but uh he's not been too shy about mentioning this and by the time this gets out it might actually be released uh adam's been working on his uh solenoid core fly core um and so he's got a beta for the meowser version open right now and I think I was the first one of the beta testers to get one built from the look of it, unless someone just hasn't posted. Uh, and it uses the Neutron Core from Eli Wu and Out of Darts, uh, or Neutron Solenoid, I should say. Um, and yeah, it works. It's great. Uh, very few things Adam needed to fix it all, just a few like cosmetic things on the uh, upper and stuff like that, and a little error in the... Uh, model on the core itself and he's already taken care of that so you know it this this will get kicked out the door pretty quick um there he is speak of the devil i talk about forbidden kittens and adam appears yeah. <laughs> check check one two check kitten cat but yeah so <laughs> that was that's been my recent project so uh just just finished today printing the last parts for uh the beta meowser and uh, like I said, it's awesome and I love it and I'm hoping to run it at Z13 and maybe all future HVZ events. We'll see. Sweet. So Adam, since you just joined us, any current projects you've been working on? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, obviously the one that you just completed and thank you for being the greatest beta participant OFD has ever seen. Um, more or less, I think you've done a lot of them. A lot of mine, at least. You've done mine. I've done your major ones. Yeah, that's all that matters. It's fine. I don't. I don't care about your boopers. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, we 
not not I don't think any locals actually use boopers. Uh, I just I never bought the 40 Mac shells where I probably they're would expensive. Have them. Yeah, yeah, they're expensive. Um the boopers are kind of what are getting you recognized in the community though. A freaking apparently, dude, I came out with the 40 Mac shell adapters like over a year ago. I think is when I first dropped those on Etsy. Uh and then it's like Nobody, but I mean, now that we've got U.S. side distribution through Frontline Foam and Out of Darts should have their order soon, if not already. Um, I think we're going to see a lot more boopers, uh, at least a lot more shell adapters. Um, and granted, I kind of had a head start because like I somewhat came up with it, but I did get inspiration from I think it's an Australian uh, modder by the name of unscrupulous mode filer anyways we're yeah, this very sidetracked but i mean that's detroit dark talk but um <laughs> my projects ofd crap uh i got a harrier i may have purchased a try on recently um well, let's back up for a second what do you think of the harrier what what do you think of the harrier honestly it's great i mean i haven't i haven't been able to use it i mean really i just been plinking with it I assembled it and the seal and everything, and it's really good. And the blaster feels exceptionally solid with a really smooth prime. I am a little worried about the catch, but I don't really plan on pushing the FPS like crazy. So initial thoughts, really good. And I like the try-on. I've used several try-ons, but there's something about, I don't know. It's solid, but it's like, it feels more toyish than i would say it's like maybe halfway between like a nexus and because it's really solid but it still feels light and it doesn't have any soft touch stuff or anything on it and the harrier has like the soft squishy grip and stuff so like a la darts on pro right so i like it so far if it breaks i mean i'll be honest i don't really use springers that often um yet my wall is littered with them so i don't know if we had more park wars i would probably use more springers maybe yeah i've uh i've yet to test the um the links with the new pusher and uh, yeah i still have to switch out the magwell on my sbl and troubleshoot what was going on with that if it was just the magwell or something else um but yeah i'm in the same boat i'm i'm (laughs) flywheel master race yeah i i don't know i i like springers i i springers have a soft place or a springy place in my heart i will say um but flywheelers for effectiveness for sure and then i mean if we did park wars i'm taking the colonel lost 76 out 1000 percent for sure so that blaster is great i've yet to even lay an eye lay eyes on one in person yet yeah is it, whenever we do a parkour sometime, you can give it a spin. Yeah, yeah no pressure, Alex. Just get a parkour going. <laughs> yeah, get, get some parkours going. Uh, bring it to um, Boiler Dome. What's it hit? Uh-huh. 200. Oh, well, don't bring it. Yeah, they're a little spicy. Yeah. Just just tune it down until it's pooping darts out. <laughs> no, I'm not going to links my 76. Oh! <laughs> oh. Shots fired. Um. Anyways, uh, that's pretty much it. Yeah, the uh, 40 Max cartridge does is on out of darts, but it, it's currently listed as sold out, which is 
what he usually does when he hasn't gotten it yet. Oh. Yeah. They aren't there yet. But also 35, which I think you can get them as cheap as 25 if you go through imported. Uh, yeah, suppliers. I think Frontline has them for 25. Um, but I don't know. You can, yeah, you can get them on Ollie too. So support whoever you would like to support. Um, yeah. Well, Jay, uh, what recent projects have you been working on? Mm, I'm, uh, I'm kind of working in at least two betas right now. One of them being the solenoid project that Adam's doing. Um, and gears, uh, vector, Chris vector, uh, Flycore blaster is coming along pretty well. I tend to work a lot, so I'm a little bit behind the curve on some of the rest of them, but, uh, some good things going there and i have not seen them release yet but um i actually went in and took out all those cool little peaks that make the quiver so printable and uh roboman has a file for that and the m5 lock that he's getting ready to run sls as kind of a test batch and see what that looks like Ooh, that'll be interesting yeah, I, i'm I, i'm I, curious to see if my design was true enough that he can do it without having to tweak them again but uh so far, I haven't heard much from him. Uh, that'll be interesting to see. I, I got to lay hands on the um, the Chris Vector Flycore at Z13. Adam had his copy of it. That's uh, it's interesting. It, you had yours there? I didn't even see it, Adam. I've had it the last two Z13s. How have I not I seen it? it? I run it once per Z13. Oh, you know why? Because I'm freaking checking people in. <laughs> yeah, probably true. And that's the that's I think the phase one version, so it doesn't have the like the good mag release and a couple little tweaks. But my phase one's already headed to pen bodies. Oh jeez, mine will get there. I I have too many projects going on to hang on to stuff that's already obsolete, so they get recycled. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's uh, it's um, it's cool to see the different uh, flycore um, concepts that other people have put out. Yeah, actually adopting Flycore for what it was intended. You know, seeing that and um, Meeker's hand cannon thing, and there's been at least a couple others. Yeah, I think we're up to. I have to take count, but I think we're up to ten either available or in progress. Uh, somebody, um, somebody in the chat's whispering something about a Flycore Griffin. Is that a thing yet? It's it's it is not a Flycore Griffin per se, but has used parts of the Flycore for a griffin. Hmm. I'm not going to say who did it or who's doing it. Gotcha. Well, now, Jay, you've also, like, I know right around the time of uh, Secret Santa, you were playing around with the um, those Blade Tech, um, like, hot swap disc uh, mount well, things. Yeah. Um, they came out. With the Secret Santa, I had already done one set of product to go out, and they came out with them, and I, I was early enough, I went ahead and put the order in for them. The, the matrix that I use is compatible with the Blade Tech hardware anyway, and so when I sat down and did the initial one, they have a square plate, they call it TMMS, that's kind of a hot swap anyway, um, kind of like a straight dovetail. And uh, I use a lot of those on my gear just so I can switch between the Nightingale three up and the standard Talon three up if I'm running both at a game, yeah. so that I don't have to fight with stuff on my belt. 
I wanted to uh, um, pick some of those up uh, recently. Every time I look, they're sold out now. They, so they obviously have taken off. Which ones were you looking at? The ones that had the rotation in them or yeah. the ones that were just straight in? Uh, the ones that so, had the rotation in them. Um, Blade Tech did a soft recall on them. They had some of them that when they got down to grappling level stuff with some of the officers, they had a couple of them that cracked. And ah. so they did a soft recall on them and pulled them back in. Um, mine came from after that, but they've been struggling to get back up into production ever since. Yeah. I have a couple. <laughs> I bought several when I first bought onto them. Um, they have a, for me at least, they have a specific application. Um, you guys are talking about the quiver and how that puts everything in the right rotation, but um, I have that small of the back version of the quiver that uh, flips the dart or the magazine catch so that it's pointed away from the belt intended to be mounted behind your back okay so um on that one that that rotating mount is nice because then you can turn it from straight horizontal to just slightly upward so that that pulls a little bit more natural with the shoulder right and then obviously for somebody that was running something on a vest that would be um almost unlimited options to mount yeah yeah i i have a vision of having several of those in my kit so that i can swap either uh a quiver or a scabbard on my vest and then to my drop leg and then maybe even the other drop leg on the other side there, there's a a final form kicking around in the back of my head that has yet to be realized if if they don't have to rotate the tmms version where it's just kind of like two interlocking dovetails is much more wallet friendly okay but the spinning is kind of cool not gonna lie that came out and i was like winning the lottery because um i haven't wanted to trash trash isn't the word i want i haven't haven't wanted to walk all over the uh the options that exist with the uh, lotus mount system right and uh so this gave me a straight route to the same thing and all totaled about the same price point okay cool well why don't we um why don't we table a uh, discussion of your products for a little bit and, and move into uh, your club and, and, and what you guys have going on out there. Um, and then we'll circle back and talk some more shop. Okay. Well, um, out here, it's the Utah Nerf Foam Plingers or the UNFF. Um, we have quite a few members. We've got at least two satellite organizations that I'm aware of. So we have, um, as regular club activities, we have essentially what was the upstairs section of an old Sears Roebuck in the back corner of a mall up in Layton, Utah, which is about 30 miles north of where I'm at, that we do a uh, indoor, uh, it's a laser tag arena. We just get it once a month. First Friday of the month, we do an indoor, uh, pretty much uh, lots of uh, either death click or uh, domination death type click. games in there. What is death click? Um, death click is um, basically each team gets a counter and the game runs for seven minutes, maybe five, seven minutes, depending on how many people are on the field. And if you get tagged, you just head back to your start point, click in, head back out and play again. Whichever oh. team has the most hits is judged to be the loser. Okay. All right. Yeah, we we do one with like a like the number of clicks is the cap, 
yeah uh, for the winner yeah and, oh, and it didn't work quite well the last time we did it i'm i'm thinking maybe a time bird version is the better way to cuz what we ran into was the last team they just they stopped spawning in when they were at their last last life yeah <laughs> so maybe oh. the timer is is the better way to go well okay. yeah. well it's an option do you run into like do they instantly spawn back in? How do you guys work that? Um, yeah, on that one, there's no pause. Okay. So as soon as you can get to the clicker and click back in, if you want to jog back in, although a lot of times they're double checking gear and walking it slow because they thinking about how they want to come at what they would left behind and see if they can get in it a different way. Do you ever run into a team not clicking in to stall their count though? I'm not aware of it. I, would allow that human nature would be something that you know if somebody's going to cheat they're going to cheat but we don't have fixed teams so most of the time we divide it up before we went into it and we'll play best two out of three and then shuffle the deck again so it's not like there's um bragging rights or anything on that year yeah and and when we were playing it it was in you know a backyard war so it was small area it's not like um it was like you were in a hidden area where you weren't in danger of being tagged right as uh, you clicked in. We try not to let people camp on the spawn points anyway. Gotcha. The mods will pull everybody back if they're sniping people out of the spawn. So you guys actually have mods, like uh, moderating the gameplay too. That's cool. Most of the time, sometimes they're in the game, which makes it a little bit difficult because then you have to wonder what they're. Uh... <laughs> but most of the moderators have been pretty square, so I don't think we have we don't have too many troubles. Every now and then, somebody gets their feelings hurt. That's always bad, but so far, nothing major. Gotcha. Um, the domination, we have two timers with the red and blue. They're chess timers, essentially. Um, start one red and start one blue, and the object is to try and get them both to your color. Whichever color has the most time accumulated on it between the two totals wins that one. And then we have some uh, cardboard cylinders like you'd get out of a fairly large paper roll, so they're three inches in diameter okay. um yep blue tape on one end and silver tape on the other end and we set those up at three different points inside of the arena and uh these are timed games again but the object is to uh turn it so that your colors up so it works in the same way as the timers do except for that the only thing that matters is who's got the most out of out of the three on their color when they call time okay gotcha. so the last couple of minutes are a little hectic right and then uh, our summertime, we've got a park in uh, Copperton, up by the Bingham Copper Mine. Um, we do those uh, every second Saturday in the months that are judged to be warm enough to do that. And those are, we usually set up barricades and run teams on that. That's PvP stuff most of the year. In September, we do an annual event that is our, uh, our clubs, HVZ. Um, and then usually there's maybe... October is always kind of iffy. If there's no snow on the ground, we'll play one more time. If there's snow on the ground, it's too late. Gotcha. So um, how, how do you do HVZ then? Do, like, do you guys plan out and story flush out like an actual invitational type situation or is it? Um, since I haven't been to an invitational, I don't know how much of the story we get. There is a sort of a linear theme to it, but a lot of it is scenario by scenario. And uh, of course the zombies are gaining members from the OZ 
on until they get to the point where you're kind of doing a final standoff, but they switch up the game rules per game and you can buy upgrades based on points awarded for completing the set. And if you're smart and you're a zombie, you pool your resources so you can get somebody set up as a heavy. Interesting. But not so much themed as I'm seeing some of what's coming out of the events that are planned in your area. Okay. So um, that kind of sounds like a cross between how we do Z13 and like what a typical invitational would be. That's what I was just about to say. I was actually kind of sounds like a cross between Z13 and maybe the, the Mall Madness game. Yeah. With the power ups. Yeah. yeah. Of course, we, we do have that Mall event coming up in April, which is probably the worst advertised HVZ. <laughs> to come out so far because I didn't even have a firm date on it until probably uh, beginning of this month. So the, um, and again, this is about 30 miles in the other direction from where I'm at, but uh, they have got them all to agree. They're going to all close up all the shops on the main floor. We're not, they're not, they don't want us to use the stairs for pretty good reasons, but um, they're going to give us the whole main floor of the mall and it's going to be a full overnight event. Nice. The, uh, the mods on that are still working out the details, so I have no idea what the uh, the events are going to be like. And thankfully, I guess in a weird way, I have not been asked to be a moderator. <laughs> For whatever reason, the club tends to shy away from anybody that's actually producing product, and the mods are usually the folks that are considered to be more available, I guess, because they're not designing. And then as satellite clubs, we've got uh, Heath Heel MHP runs a uh, high FPS event. Um, three or four times a year, also down in Provo Valley, where BYU is. Give you a college reference, since that seems to help. Mm -hmm. um, and we've got another club that is just starting up down in that same area that also is doing uh, rough terrain, high FPS. They're not directly affiliated, but they're members of the same group, so kind of a satellite thing. There's quite a bit of activity going on uh, overall. Nice. I don't think I realized that Heath was out by you. Well, one of the things you asked about was to try and see what was going on for designers. So um, I'm probably the smallest one. Um, so Heath Heal is, is out here. I actually bought a printer off of him early on when he was switching out of his uh, monoprice unit. Um, and he and I have done some talking. He obviously has got his own strategy, and I'm just starting. So... Um, also, Sumner Bird that does uh, the more blasters, that does the rap blaster, is out in this area. Um, and uh, Eric that shows up on Alex's server, at least, is that bird guy um, doing a couple of different projects. So he's he's got some designs going on. But uh, there are a fairly good concentration of us out here, I guess, for that kind of thing. Nice. Since I don't do blasters, I don't think of myself quite the same way. But uh, I'm still trying to keep the brain active. You, you know, to be honest, like, we have a lot of blaster designers like it it's i'm glad that we still have um you know people that are dedicating themselves to to gear and other facets of the hobby because um it, it's it's just nice to have offerings that are um well, what am i trying to say here it, it, it it's nice to have offerings that you can manufacture yourself and that people are, are custom designing and always kind of innovating and, and integrating and, and whatnot um, rather than just relying on, um, you know, worker and, and the other um, or, or even, you know, like airsoft and stuff that isn't specifically designed for us, um, but stuff that's, you know, mass produced. 
So I'm, yeah. I'm glad yeah. I'm glad that we do have um, you know people delving into that aspect of the community. So I guess maybe that's a good way to segue into um, into your shop. So like, how how did you kind of get started in in deciding that you were going to tackle offering that? So Armstrong Accessories was um, my wife's idea. She uh, she wanted to sell air purifiers. It was a big deal, and so we got the business license and everything going um, mid nineties probably. And uh, she didn't do much with it. And then we started playing paintball. Um, I was playing what semi pro. I didn't travel because I had a job, but uh, the local paintball club. I was kind of the dedicated home team. Um, the practice team, whatever you want to call that function. Okay, um, yeah. and my wife was doing quite a bit of, uh, she came out and played quite a bit and she was quite good on her own. Um, so when Armstrong accessories kicked off and went into that, um, I was actually distributing for smart parts and, um, Armson paintball and, uh, certified as an airsmith and did a bunch of, uh, work on that side. And then, uh, Smart Parts decided to start throwing lawsuits at everybody over the solenoid-driven paintball markers and uh, really, really, really killed a lot of the industry off. It's just barely coming back at this point. So we hadn't been doing that um, too much. But even then, part of what I was looking at is it's like I needed things to let me play more comfortably to, to fit in with how I wanted to have my gear work that didn't quite exist. And so I was already... Um, soft goods. I'm not ashamed to admit. I sew. I do leather work. Um, <laughs> obviously, coming from the SCA side of it, I do metal work too. Um, but uh, just making things to kind of help make what I was doing easier. And so what what happened is, um, I want to say 2018. I might have the year wrong. Maybe it was 2019. The uh, West versus Zombies was in Utah, and uh, my son has always been a big Nerf fan. He's had Nerf guns in the house for as long as he's been big enough to prime one. Um, he and my daughter went to this West versus Zombies because Captain Xavier was coming out, and that was a big deal for him. He wanted to meet him. And my daughter went in and volunteered to be the original zombie for that and uh, ended up coming back with a bunch of loot, one of which was a uh, 3D-printed kit for a uh, chronomag that she had not a clue how to put together. So I had to sit down and try and figure out how to make that happen. And that was kind of the, the hook. It was like before it had been just kids playing with Nerf guns and I'm a little old to be a kid. And then all of a sudden it became something that was mechanically interesting. And, uh, we got that blaster assembled and I started tinkering around with a few other things. And then my daughter took an art class, decided that she wanted to be able to make physical models to match what she was doing in Adobe with her sculpting and bought an Ender 3 Pro online and was doing pretty well with that. And, uh, she crashed it, crashed it into the bed pretty hard and it needed to be repaired. And I work in electromechanical. That's my, that's my main moneymaker. So I started fixing 3d printers, which meant I had to learn how to run a 3d printer, which all of a sudden turned out to be pretty easy. Um, but the overall shop kind of came together as, um, I probably wouldn't have opened it if it wasn't for Adam because we were kicking things back and forth. Uh, Tim and Tom and Adam and I and a few others were in the beta for uh, the FDL basic and uh, had been kind of participating that way. And that group seemed to spin off a couple of ideas that 
we were kicking things around. Um, the three mag carrier, um, not an original idea. Um, Tim Nguyen and Sizzle Juice, I'm going to say that wrong, <laughs> um, had built one, but it's almost as long as the magazines are. Right. And it uses, um, uses the, uh, I call them slipsticks, the, the slide in locks. And so they don't necessarily lock very well to your gear. Yeah. Yeah. And I had talked to him. He pretty much told me he was not interested in modifying that file, but kind of gave me a chance. He says, you know, if you want to slice at it, the files were out there. And so he was not against having me modify it. The first versions of it that I did were modified and cut down and still kept the, the shelf on the bottom. Um, about the time that Franz Foamworks and Frontline started picking them up, I actually windowed the bottom so that you could load it from the top because Franz thought that was a good idea. And then I realized that the bottom wasn't doing us any good at all if I just put a stop in it so that it wouldn't slide through. You could have pretty much open access to the darts if you wanted them. Made it easier to feel where the magazines were at. If you you know weren't sure if it had darts in it or not, you could feel the head of the dart if you put your hand down to it. And I was working in Tinkercad. And that went through probably a half a dozen iterations that way. And then I finally really knuckled down and got online and did some studying and figured out uh, Fusion 360 on a demo license. Adam will be happy to know that they do licenses for startups and it doesn't cost anything, but it gives me full functionality. So I'm not conflicted on that anymore. Oh, nice. <laughs> so I have a, uh, I was running on a non-commercial license and I'm like, well, I'm kind of making commercial files. It's not quite the way I wanted to do that. So we came to an agreement that doesn't cost me $700 a year. Um, <clears throat> but uh, anyway, that's kind of where I got to. And then I went back through most of the major projects that I had and, and brought them into CAD where I had the parametric options on them. And then I started throwing out some new bars. The Nightingale bars started first. Um, I've actually got one that's not released for the lightning bug that uses the holes underneath his decorative piece at the back of that. Okay. Um, and I'm just in the process of kind of cleaning up the final version of one for uh, guard to fit on top of his nail clipper that um, gives you a clamp on. Alex has seen the clamp, a uh, Picatinny clamp um, that angles down and presents um, two heat sets that are on that Nightingale spacing so you can use either bar. I'm really not all about trying to lock people out. The 95 spacing has got an absolute spot in the community, and there's no point to obsolete those, especially if you're going to pack a larger blaster. But the 60 millimeter spacing on the medium fids is probably where I really dug into that. Um, started off to try and do that with um, armor, doing that with the uh, Lotus system, and it never really went anywhere. And so I kind of went back to the drawing board and uh, kind of started doing my own direct from scratch. So I had a clean pattern. Aside from that, the shop is kind of set up. My main intent with it is to continue to make things that are interesting to me, but I am doing my level best to stay open to anybody that comes to me with an idea and says, Hey, you've got this thing that it, it does this, but I need it to do this and I'll take it on. Um, Right now, there's. I gave Derek a run on them for a little bit to see how they went, but um, I have done two mag dedicated carriers for the Fire Rat and the Viper. Um, unfortunately, they're not close enough to each other. The mags are just enough different that they won't. The compliance doesn't work for both of them, so they are separate carriers. But 
Um, I've got quite a few quivers besides the ones that are out there on the site. Mostly it comes down to trying to see if there's enough interest in them to be worth running a listing. And the main idea behind the site is mostly just to, uh, it's a poor man's intellectual property. If somebody wants to steal one of those, they can probably steal it. I can't really stop them. We have this discussion sitting around the table sometimes when we've had a big game. You, you know, if you've got a really good design, it's a pretty good chance that somebody's going to uh, take it and run with it. However, at least I've got the small comfort of knowing that it was listed and the, the verbiage was pretty specific. And if they, if they take it and try and make it their own, they at least know that they, <laughs> that they were crossing that line. I don't know how much it would slow them down. But in any event, that's kind of how we get to where we're at. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, I've got your shop pulled up right now, and you know I was on it earlier. I bought I bought a file uh, for something, but um, yeah, yeah should, you know, looking at it for anyone who anyone who's interested, uh, go to Etsy and it's Armstrong ACC, so A R M S T R O N G A C C. But yeah, it's it's Jay has a lot of really cool stuff. He's got you know like we were talking about the quiver mag holders. Um, he's got some for normal talons for nightingale mags, stuff like that. Um, there's zinc 2.0, I see. Uh, and then on top of that, there's the scabbard, which I was a file I actually bought and printed earlier today, and that's for magnetic holsters. Um, and you've got quite a few varieties of scabbard listed as well. Yeah, and we see quite a few of them throughout our club here in, in Michigan, like. I know that Chase runs um, smaller the back. Yeah, where it's the it's angled kind of off the side of the grid. I think yep, I, and I haven't even put haven't even put those out on the site yet. Yeah. I probably ought to. I think he has one on each side, maybe. Yep, I made him a mirrored set. Yeah, but yeah, I was I was going to add though that you know having printed a few of your designs now, uh, one thing that I really appreciate is that you. Well, two things, I guess. One is that you take printing difficulty into consideration. Like your stuff is very easy to print. Um, it's very straightforward, but it's also very robust. A lot of designers out there, I think, design more for looks and their stuff is a little flimsy or fragile. Whereas your stuff both looks great because you just have this very... I say simple, but not in a bad way, but like a very straightforward design language that just works well. Um, but your stuff is just, it's built like a tank. <laughs> like, Well, if you fall on one of those, it will break. <laughs> well, yeah. I it's, mean, it's not that sturdy, but yeah, they're, they'll, they'll hold up to day-to-day wear and tear anyway. You know, come, well, coming from some of my stuff, like one of the reasons I switched to, to your quivers um, was I had warp sias and I I liked them. They worked great for me, except for the loops uh, for the molly sticks to go through have to be glued into place or epoxy or whatever. And regularly, like enough not to be an uncommon occurrence, I would have them that little loop pop off at the glue joint, and it was it never broke. It just the glue wouldn't hold no matter what I was using. Um, over over time, it would just work its way, what, loosen and pop. What kind of glue are you using? Because I I've never had that happen. Well, I'm rough around my gear. I don't know. I was using. Um, I, I'm just curious. I'm not. I'm not trying to imply okay. that. I I just. Well, okay. It's the it's the standard. Well, I've used to. I've used epoxy, and I don't remember which kind it was. Probably gorilla. 
of some sort. And then I've used um, the Loctite Super Glue, which is like okay. cyanoacrylate or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I use the, the Bob Smith Industries uh, yeah. extra thick, which, whatever it is, the, the pink bottle. Um, right. But that's cyanoacrylate as well. Yeah. So, I mean, it might be just that I wasn't slopping on enough glue or something, but regardless, when you have had it happen even a few times, it's always in the back of your head that, like, I'm running an HVZ invitation all day. What happens if a mag carrier pops off mid-mission, which it has done? I, you know, I went back from one mission at, at, uh, at the Geneva College Invitational with two of my warp size and a dump pouch. Luckily, I had brought spares. Then um, I put on my gear for the rest, but like, it's not a good thing to have happen in the moment. So I do appreciate that, like, yeah, if you fall on it, 3D print stuff is going to break, but through normal gameplay, like, your stuff, Jay, is very robust, and I can, I have a great appreciation for that. Yeah. One of the things I discovered with the prints is that, um, let's take the, the scabbards as an example. I actually bring my edges up and I drop a chamfer in and sink the middle of it. And then I, so there's, there's multiple contours to it in order to get layer lines in places where they can reinforce it as opposed to just making it monolithic and having it dense. Yeah. And so, I think they're actually lighter in some ways than something similar, but because of the because of the ability to go in and change that shape, um, I'm kind of forcing in um, some extra perimeters. Same thing with the hole through the middle. You could say it's super slick because you can stick your finger in there and figure out which one of those holes is empty, so you can put it in the right one. But in truth, what I'm doing is I'm pushing perimeters into the middle of that wall so it's a little bit stronger, so I can make the rest of it thinner. Gotcha. Yeah, and then you, you kind of work in the teardrop shape so that it uh the orientation that it prints in is less likely to um what's uh like for overhang purposes and whatnot like sag or droop yeah. yeah yeah so that was something that um slug started doing on his blasters and uh you guys will laugh Derek sun's out here in the middle of this community um so frontline foam is is very much a part of what we're doing around here um Derek's my only Currently only authorized reprinter until Roboman kicks off with his stuff. Um, but uh, <laughs> the supports to print it without those were taking too long. Derek asked me to see if I could figure out a way to make it run faster. Yeah. And again, with the parametrics and being able to control those um, rotations and get that all put in there, it was it was a reasonable challenge. And I think it, uh, it made what I'm doing a little bit better. Well, yeah. and... It's it's something that I very much appreciate because yeah you know, I print an ABS, um, and because you print ABS so much hotter, you end up having a lot more issues with drooping and warping and whatnot when it's printing. So when that type of stuff is taken into account, it makes printing in that material a lot easier. Um, so it it was it's very much appreciated from someone coming from where I am. Well, and for branding to have it end up kind of creating those uh, groined arches from the gothic uh, architecture of the middle ages <laughs> it doesn't hurt that either no it looks good adam you've been quiet i love the fidlock m stuff thanks jay hey no problem <laughs> i uh, in truth i uh, probably owe a lot of what i'm doing to adam um kind of pulling me in early on uh, 
some of the beta work he was doing on the, now I've, we've spent so much time on Flycore. What was the project before that? Oh man. Was it Snoop Booper? Maybe. Oh, well, we, so, um, Snoop Booper was part of it, but you and I had done something prior to that. And I'm drawing a blank on it now because Snoop mm. Booper was kind of a weird, Adam had that Snoop Booper show up on Facebook <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and so I reached out to him and I said, Hey, those shells are pretty cool. What's up with that? And, uh, got a half a dozen of them on order. And then, um, Adam was feeding me shell ideas on that for the 40 max. And that was happening at the same time as Sumner bird was working on his 40, uh, okay. his overcompensated, uh, shells for the rat blaster. And so I was kind of doing shells, um, which push me into if we're doing shells i gotta have a way to pack them around so early versions of the grenadier as it's branded right now but the the two shell carrier kind of bounced a couple of those back and forth with adam somewhere along the line adam had a brilliant idea and i didn't see it until he came out with the uh the beta run but that uh the micro booper sort of came out of that same idea of that compliant uh shell holder he's just smart enough to put a trigger on it <laughs> Oh, yeah, I that, see it. that was um, yeah, that was a good. I'm looking at the, so, the listing you have for the Grenadier right now, and I I totally see what you're talking about. So um, I didn't window it until after Pico Booper, and I've actually closed off the windows now. I haven't released that file set. Some of those bars, um, guys get crashing around in the barricades, and they were breaking the bars. So I I closed up the outside windows, um, so they're a millimeter thick to put some material back in there and push those perimeters all the way around instead of having them just stacked up on top of each other. But, gotcha. uh, yeah, it's kind of a back and forth. Um, I truthfully, the, probably the best thing that happened, um, for my branding at least was Tim asking to have that stuff sent out for the Z one three, because I'd really struggled to get any toehold community wise. I'd shipped off a couple projects to Xavier for his mail day and let him talk about them on that. But the interest level just wasn't, showing up but once once i got a couple of them out in your community things kind of took off um i'm ecstatic to hear that because uh your donation for that that z13 was uh a, a fantastic uh gift to us we really appreciated that yeah well, i i think i've kind of decided that it's better to get stuff out into the community that way than it is to try and convince a um an internet influencer to try and do a review on it the the few of them I've spoken with have been kind of like, well, you know, it's it's just this little thing. I can't do a whole spot on it. I was like, well, you know, it's part of a <laughs> part of a much larger larger combination of parts. But um, yeah, yeah, you don't see too many gear reviews on on YouTube. No, um, and you know, when they told me that it was just one piece and they didn't have any way to do a review on it, it sort of made sense. So I'm better off feeding stuff into the community and letting it uh, <laughs> spread the infection that way. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad to hear that you're uh, seeing returns on your investment. I'm, I don't think this is ever going to be a primary business and it's not a huge money maker. Like I said, most of what I'm doing with this is because it's something I'm having fun with and I'm perfectly willing to put the files out there because I know I have been frustrated in the past by somebody having a cool thing, but I could only get it in black yeah. and I could only get it from them. And, uh, you know, as long as people are willing to respect that, design concept and the the other things behind that i kind of want them to print them in goofy colors and have fun with them because i don't want to have to do all that yeah i'm the, i'm the same way i completely get that yeah like 
like I was talking about, like I have my vest like sitting on top of my pack out right now and, and just looking over at it with the, all of the orange in a row with the blue mags in it. Um, it, it just adds quite a bit of quite a good splash of color to the otherwise pr- pretty much all black vest. So it's, it's nice. Yeah. yeah. See, I went the opposite route. I printed mine in black. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do have one in black and that one's on my belt, but that's not uh ABS. That's uh that's uh nylon X, um, yeah. which was a ah, generous. That's, right. that, that's another thing I didn't, I, I kind of, we're circling back to something we already talked about, but it, it it's relevant. When I printed the quivers up, one of the things I liked about the design. So if anyone had, hasn't checked them out by now and hasn't been convinced to go look at them, but the, they, they visually, like once you put the mags in them, it's, it's a lot less visible than other mag holders. Like it's just this one kind of strip across the front of the mag. Whereas the whole thing is definitely like bigger than your standard, like warp say, uh, but most of that ends up being between or behind the mags. Um, and so my warp says I had to print in bright colors because otherwise I'd have this huge band of you know black or gray on my gear, which I didn't want. Whereas with the quivers, I could, I could print them in black and it was just this one, one little stripe of black going across my like multicolored mags. Uh, so I really like that design like aesthetically. I think it looks really good. Now, see, this is interesting because like we're both praising it for like the exact opposite. Like I, I'm happy that it's a big splash of orange, um, but you're looking at it like <laughs> but I'm saying like it's yeah, but like the design is not it, it's a smaller surface area that's exposed. No, and, so if you wanted to do it in black, it's not as big of a deal, but it does add like a big stripe if you do it in color. You're right. I, I totally, you know, I, I, I see where we're both getting um, a feature <laughs> out of it that we don't get from the Sayas, but yet they're they're kind of the exact opposite. It's it's very interesting. It's fun. There's <laughs> a learning process to go along with those catches because those used to be printed in place with the rest of the carrier. Yeah. And uh, I was always plagued with problems where I would have them go either soft or break off entirely the mag holder still works at that point but it was kind of an interesting step because the first thing i did is design a piece that i could glue on the back that would have a finger on it so i could glue in a replacement okay and then when i added the mag stop and took off the foot of the design from what uh, tim had designed originally um then the next step was to use that mag stop for the bolt which i've carried through into the current version and then at that point in time, it was a matter of, well, let's just make the lock a separate part and flip it 90 degrees so that we're using the perimeters to make those catches as strong as they can possibly be. And just, we're bolting things on anyway because we're adding the belt loops or molly loops or whatever you're going to attach it with. Right. You know, and, and that's a nice feature because, like, you know, I was already thinking about it. I'm, I'm going to run off a few extra of the the catch plates just so I have a couple on hand in case, you know, one does go soft or break off on me in the middle of an event. I've yet to have one break since I switched to a separate part with the orientation that they come out in the file set on. Yeah, I was going to say, they, those were nicely robust. Again, going back to the design of stuff is designed to be very strong. Like, I printed that off and I was like, 
oh, oh, that is really nice. <laughs> like, I'm not worried about this having issues once I bolted in. Like, but again, if it did have an issue, it's very easy to replace. You're not having to reprint the entire carrier or like, you know, like what the warp says, if something went wrong in it, you'd have to unstring the whole thing with uh, take the shot cord out, put in the new part, restring it. This is just like three screws, boom, 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 back and back and running. And the Nightingale version does use the same finger. So the lock tab's the same tab. So I guess if you had an extra one, you could bail somebody else out if they had a failed print or something on that. But I, um, when I went to the CAD, I was able to actually increase that click a little bit, make that a little bit deeper and get a better chamfer on it. So it was easier going in and out. So the retention's really good on it. But um, yeah. It yeah. It definitely hits a sweet spot as far as like retention and ease of like drawing and stowing. I was very pleasantly impressed with uh, with them when I ran them at the last Z13. All right, so I want to kind of step back a second and and go back to something that we touched on a little bit. So I have a scabbard and a quiver that you printed for me in Nylon X, and I don't think I have seen anybody else in the hobby playing around with that. Um, why? Uh, wh- what? led you to go down that realm and or down that path and and what uh what challenges and um uh what what like what challenges and and benefits have you have you seen from looking into that well um i like it for my gear again that's i very rarely have people commission prints in it um stuff's terribly expensive um a it comes in 0.75 kilogram rolls, but it's not nearly as dense as normal filament is. I'm sure, Tim, you can kind of attest to that. Yeah. Having one of each now in hand. Um, so the length of the spool, the, the length of the amount of filament on it is actually equivalent to a kilogram roll. Um, so there are operational challenges on it. It has to be dried um, for... 10 hours before you even want to think about printing with it. Very hydroscopic. Um, so I have a uh, pro-level dryer. I have a 3-kilogram spool in it that I keep dried most of the time, so I'm paying to keep that going. Um, it shrinks oddly, so if um, I want to print something in it, I have to take a look at the files pretty carefully. Generically, I figured out that if I go to 100.8%, I can get pretty close. But that wasn't close enough to let me do a fly core in it. Oh, um, I probably need to go back and revisit that. Except for Roboman's doing them in SLS now, and if I can get him to do that, then I don't need to. <laughs> but it's a lot of the same idea, I think, is what he's doing on that. Um, I I bought a Matter Hacker Pulse, which is um, a rep rep kind of a it's an American made cousin to a Prusa, um, and it was specifically built and designed to print. Nylon X, which is Matter Hacker's uh, carbon fiber nylon blend, so it's <clears throat> it's Bowden fed because Nylon X doesn't like direct drive very much, tends to wear out the gears on it. Um, it is um, I'm printing on Garolite because nylon tears off the surface on anything else when it comes free. Um, it's got some challenges, but uh, at the end of the day, 
and I guess the other part of it, you have to print it on a raft if you want the bottom to look any kind of good at all because you're printing into a layer of glue. Um, so if you look at yours, Tim, you can see that there was contact on the bottom of it where it was sitting on the raft. It's pretty minimal. I've got the, the touch settings set right on the ragged edge. Um, but what mostly got into that is um, I'm kind of a geek about processes and things like that. So it was something to explore. And they're certainly available. Anybody wants to go on the site and reach out to me and say, hey, I need to have one of these and I really want it to be in that material. And you get all kinds of color choices because it comes in black and that's it. Um, but uh, I mean, it's there, but it's mostly just a geek thing on my side for the 3D printing. Very cool. Sorry, I stepped away from the mic for a second because I was <laughs> I was going to look at the bottom like you were talking about. Um, it I didn't notice it just at a quick look, so it's it's hidden well. Um, now, I I I know I've asked you this and I can't remember the answer. Do you have to print with an enclosure with it? Yes. Yeah. But uh, both both my uh, Pulse and my Prusa are enclosed now. Um, I was having some trouble at the beginning of uh, Gears Vector beta because it had gotten to be winter and we had a colder winter than we have for a couple of years here and uh <laughs> i was having some problems keeping my prints intact i was getting weird um weird cooling and and issues so i bought one of those 40 dollar pop-up tent enclosures off of amazon to keep the prusa running and then i had put in an order for one of the prusa enclosures which finally came in that's a very nice enclosure if you've got a prusa and you have nothing better to do with your money. But I'm not sure for $500 it was all of that. Um, the Pulse is in a printed solid um, enclosure that's designed for the Pulse. And I have spent a fair amount of time making some kind of weird sideways files for um, spool holders that actually mount inside of the wall of the uh, the Pulse enclosure. And uh, some other things that they, because it was a secondary source and not... Prusa did some really nice things on theirs. It's very very nicely designed to be a Prusa enclosure. Um, Holtz just contracted for um, printed solid to make them an enclosure and gave them the specs. And the two things don't actually work together as closely as I wish they would. So I've been doing some projects on that. Gotcha. We've got a rep wrap festival coming up up here and I may go sit in on that because I am a little bit of a geek on the, on the printer stuff. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, like I built my enclosure out of an old, uh, you know, computer server box. And there's a ton of tweaks that I've done. Cause like, um, certain filament, if it's too brittle, like for instance, um, my wood fill, um, uh, you know, I have, um, mm -hmm. I have, uh, filamentum rosewood, uh, handles on my meowser, but that, that wood fill is so brittle that if I try to feed it through the roller on the top of my enclosure, the print head moving side to side, there's so much movement that it just snaps the fil the raw filament. So I actually have a, um, it's, they're made by Ram mount. Um, like I have a two section articulating arm with one of the Prusa, um, filament roll holder ends like shoved into the end to make a like internal filament holder in mine. So I, I, I feel you on the needing to customize the enclosure to make it do yeah. what you need it to do. Well, with the, uh, with the Prusa enclosure, it only uses one arm and it's got a little corner bracket that the spool sits on and it runs reverse bowden over to the head. So it feeds from the front instead of from the top. Okay. Which is kind of nice. So one of the things I did is I realized I had a, <laughs> I had an extra Prusa 
spool arm. So uh, that mount that I made for the inside of my Pulse enclosure uses the Prusa arm. I'm, I'm pretty proud of myself. I actually managed to make a bayonet socket that locks that thing in just perfect. That, really? Um, that took some math. Yeah, so if you're interested, I can share the uh, steps with you. <laughs> I don't think I'd say no to that. I uh, Here, I just took a picture. If you're looking at the uh, the quiet on the set chat, I'm going to throw it in there. Um, let's see. Here's Discord. So that arm kind of just sits on the side of the enclosure, and then you can loosen the nuts and, and move it around to, to where you want it to be. Yeah, I recognize Ram Mount because they do a lot of the truck mounts for um, cell phone holders and things like that. Yep. yep. Yeah. I'm trying to see if I can find a picture that I can throw in there quick enough to do any good. You know what I just realized we did not do is a letter to the host. We asked for... Oh. So while Jay's looking for a picture, we'll... Uh, we'll it's, do... it's uploading. Okay. Uh, Give you an idea. Again, different design language, but same idea. Oh, yeah. Okay, I see it. Yep. Neat. Yeah, it's got your logo on it. <laughs> Everything gets my logo almost anymore. Oh, but uh... That's good. That's evolved too. I I started out with just the cross batons, but putting it in the bracket seems to put it more in line with a lot of the other logos in the community. So it's braced between two chevrons. I like it. All right. Um, let's see. Looks like we only had two votes for letter of the host. Um, <laughs> we had we had one vote on what is your favorite just for funsies blaster? Why and why is it the Rev Reaper? And we had a vote on <laughs> what blaster were you really excited for, but after getting it or seeing more of them, realized uh, it was a huge disappointment. So uh, I think that one is the better discussion point. Um, yeah. So I'm going to lodge a vote for that one, bringing it to two. Um. That's fair. <laughs> uh, all right. So this is a Jolt King's question. Uh, what blasters were you really excited for, but after getting them, or seeing more of them, realize they were a huge disappointment. Um, I'll go first go if you want. It. Go for it. So I've got I've got I've I've got two in mind. Um, one is not so much the blaster, but like the nightingale. I was super hyped for, and I, I still have it. I like it, but the mags ended up being a big disappointment because they have feeding issues. And yeah, so that was that was kind of let down. But as far as a a blaster, I think i'm gonna go back in time a little bit to the nerf infamous oh yeah with the eating yeah. system yeah i mean it's a cool blaster um i once i saw it i was like oh i really want that and it it worked but then like as i got more into the hobby and when it was like all right i want to upgrade i was like oh upgrading this is going to be horrible because there's so many extra circuits and stuff that you can't just you know, do a simple rewire. And then I, you know, got out of full length darts and I was like, oh, well, this doesn't work now. And then the biggest issue I had with it was this thing was so heavy. <laughs> like once I got it and I was like, yeah, this is awesome. I was like, I don't ever want to carry this around for an entire day. This thing is so heavy. So I, I no longer have that uh, for that reason. So that's going to be mine. <laughs> Adam, why don't you go next? Oh boy. Um <laughs> I don't really buy I guess I don't buy like that many retail blasters. I mean my I build, answer is not gonna I, be a retail blaster, so yeah, I build plenty 
But I feel like if I say something's a disappointment, then I'm just like talking trash. Party crasher. On a designer, you know? Um, yeah, the party crasher is probably the low hanging fruit here. It was a beta, and I maybe I just had hopes for it that Radio Silence didn't really, you know, it did just didn't pan out, or maybe he didn't have the same intent um, that maybe some of the beta participants had when they got into the beta, um, because there was like going to be a brushless option and it was a there was bearing car on it and there was like a lot of it was supposed to be like hot swap cages and like the convertible pdw to smg thing um was like a really cool idea right but i don't think he ever really finished it I, he wanted, like, he had all these requirements for beta testers. Like, we gotta, you gotta have a lot of the hardware on hand or be able to get it quickly because we wanna, you know, you know, finish the beta and refine the blaster. But, um, it was like, I think a few weeks in, it was like maybe three of us that completed the blaster, maybe two, only two had it working. Um, so I, I, made wiring diagrams and stuff to help the other betas. It was it was kind of an expensive build too. Mine worked. It was okay. The bearings car didn't work really. Um and it was a little heavy and it needed it needed some refinement. It was a beta, like for sure, but I don't know if he ever went and f- like really fixed everything. He he might have, but I don't recall. Um but yeah, I ended up letting that go to one of the Cajuns and like the blaster was fine. I just, I just really didn't feel like it was 30 plus heat sets and stuff. It was a whole bunch of different hardware. I just didn't really feel like salvaging any of the hardware out of it. Cause it would have been a giant pain in the butt. So I just decided to sell the whole blaster at basically cost. Um, so yeah. And running betas myself, it's like I tell my beta participants, like, you know, you could end up building two or three of these things before it's done. But like, here's the carrot. Like, I'll give you the files for free and I'll give you credit, you know, whenever launch comes. But it's like, if you're not ready to build two or three blasters. And I think people get super excited for some hot new beta project, but then they fizzle out after they build like the first blaster or maybe the second blaster. It's like, Silly's got a whole freaking server of people to do betas and i don't know if i don't know if five people have made a cynthia and that's supposed to release like this month maybe a few more than that but uh, i think people in the community are starting to understand that betas are a lot of work and it's a pain in the butt to rebuild a blaster a bunch of times or reprint a bunch of stuff incrementally and it's way easier just to like buy the files in the end or in silly's case the files are free just support silverfox or whoever and get the hardware so that's my three three minute three to five minute welcome, welcome to your ted talk yeah. yeah um i've got two uh the first would be the mistress key um i had very grandiose ideas of of that um being the solution for shield breaking or specials that uh dealt with uh special ammo types and 
it uh, did not live up to my expectations. Uh, luckily, we now have the uh, the Mighty Mama, which uh, answers those uh, answers that uh, that that spot in my loadout. Um, and the other is probably more just because I did not spend the time to troubleshoot and uh, like like with most springers in my inventory. Um, if it doesn't work right, I move on to looking for something else. But um, the Cyber Ninja, uh, I could never get to work right. And um, no. Yeah. Um, it, it looks very pretty sitting on my shelf as part of my Voltron set. Um, <laughs> but it's it's not one that I would actively look to uh, redo. Like It can just sit there and look pretty. That's fair. A wall Mine hanger has not it, been used. You used it quite a bit, though, for a while. Oh, I only ran it at, like, two events. Really? I, I swear you ran I always more brought it. I always brought it as, like, a backup. Oh, my I, realized I, was, I remember you running it. I was. I, I realized it, it was silly to bring it as a backup because I would have to reload all my mags before I could use it as a backup. <laughs> and that that was one of my initial, like... like yeah, a few... I was going to say, a few times I brought it with my Tachis loaded backwards only and would just run it with Tachis because it was really funny to have a huge Tachi sticking out the bottom of it. <laughs> yeah, it looks funny that way. Yeah, it was okay. Like, Well, Jay, yeah. <laughs> Jay what do uh, you, you got one to add in? Uh, I think my biggest disappointment was the Dart Zone Pro Mark 1. Really? See, I love my Mark 1. Just, and I think it was more a matter that when they came out and they did the uh, Nexus Pro, it did everything the Mark One did, and didn't have all the fiddly bits to fall out while you were running around with it. Um, but if we go into printed blasters, um, I was involved early on with the uh, what's currently called the Wayland. That uh, Mitch, he did a good job on the aesthetics of it, but it just never seemed to finally develop into a finished thing. Well, um, whatever happened with that? That used to be a project Aurora or something, right? Started out as Aurora, yeah. yeah. It was released. France Foamworks used to make them. Yeah, um, and it just never quite realized its maximum potential, I guess. And it's not anything on Mitch. I think he got burned out because of all the demands that the community started levering on him. Well, yeah, because yeah. there was a stink about the original name, too, right? Yeah. Well, it was, you know, we, we don't need to rehash it. But yeah, it was uh, the name was unfortunate with the some of the design choices of the blaster. And I don't, you know, it wasn't an intentional thing. And thought it, yeah, <laughs> thought it was that princess on Sleeping Beauty. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm older than I should be, I guess. <laughs> um, no, I mean, it, it had some like you could because it was like basically AR type blaster, but you could change the uppers from like a Caliburn style Springer to a flywheeler. And like the lower would work just the same or whatever. It was a really cool idea, but it was very aggressive looking for the hobby. And the naming was really unfortunate at first. All right. Well, I, I think uh, we're at a point where we should bring this one home. So why don't we move on to shout outs? Who's, who's got a shout out? Who's got a shout out? Me? Me? Who am I going to shout out? Um... Let's see. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna do it. Something that I did. Some some positive thing that happened that I'm thankful for. 
other than my beta participants. Oh yeah, so on the new blaster, the new the new old blaster. So Noid Core is coming out, you know, soon. But on the annoyed Meowser, I got a lovely idea from my fellow hosts, specifically Alex, to turn the back cap of what covers the spolenoid um, core into a cat butt. It looks like a cat's butthole when you're looking at the back of the blaster. Thanks, oh, Alex. No. So I'm, I'm removing paws on the I don't side know if of it. That was my original idea. Uh, it might have been, been brain. Could have been brains. That's fine. Um, thanks, brain. Brain and Alex. Alex and brain. But yeah, so I'm going to remove the pause on either side of the receiver in place of the neutron symbol. But I will have the cat butt staring you right in the eye. So you get to look at that, that no, Adam, whispering eye. So if you want to know the secret secret, you need to get a pink sticker. And put it on the back of the solenoid. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, boy. So it, oh, oh, so, oh, no. So, it, and he just joined back in to listen. Um, Brain actually had me print one of these for him in pink. <laughs> Perfect. Yes. So, the cat butthole. <laughs> nice. Um, I am going to shout out um, our guests that came into town for the February Z13 that ended up not happening because the arena oh, did not have power. Um, and they still came into town and hung out with us and played board games and went out to lunch the next morning. That was a long trip to not get to play nerf. And I really appreciated that they, they came and hung out and we had, we had a very fun time. Um, and I'm sorry they didn't get to play. Um, so, although a couple of them came back the next week for our, our yeah. makeup session, which was cool. Um, but, uh, I, I, was uh very appreciative of the one of everybody that made the trip for sure uh my shout out is going to go to addy and michelle of foam blast um it's a good one yeah so uh a week or two two weeks ago maybe three weeks i don't know um they announced that they were going to close foamblastshop.com down um not for any business reason just it was taking over too much of their lives and they wanted their house back <laughs> that had become, you know, storage for their stop shop and, you know, wanted their time back a bit, you know, they weren't leaving the hobby or anything. So they've been running, you know, liquidation sales and all that. Um, but it's kind of an interesting thing or a sad thing because when I got into the hobby, you know, out of darts was growing and it was, you know, it's, it's always kind of been this trifecta for a lot of things of like, I guess quadfecta, uh, out of darts, foam blast shop, containment crew, and then like frontline foam were like really the only places you could go online. And when I got into it, foam blast was still bigger than out of darts, I believe. Like out of darts was growing much more rapidly. But, um, you know, I've, I've been buying stuff from foam blast since I joined the hobby and they've kind of, I don't know. It's like it's like a weird hobby mainstay, and it's kind of weird that they're like closing up shop. It, it, it's it's a new era in a weird way. Like the landscape is changing, but they did a lot for the hobby having that shop open and providing stuff that wasn't otherwise easily available. You know, to, to HVZ players or 
you know, competitive players and stuff. So uh, shout out to them for the years they spent running Foam Blast, um, you know, and, and making such an impact on the hobby. Yeah, very well put. Yeah, and I wish them luck because, like, I think they're they're closing their shop for the right reasons too. Of just like we want to spend more time with each other. <laughs> it, it, it's it's a pretty good reason to move on. Yeah, and and like you said, they're doing it the right way. Like they are taking steps to try and ensure that the hobby will still have access to um, the offerings that are unique to them, like their yeah their motors and their drum springs. Um, I, those are the two main things I know of, but you know, their legacy are, is intended to live on in the hobby, um, even though they won't be offering it themselves. Uh, Jay, who you got a shout out for? Hmm. Today I'd have to do one for, uh, Olfengard, who's been keeping my brain busy the last little while with some things. So I'm kind of pleased to see how he's developing his own, um, persona in the community. Just kind of watching all that. I'm just absolutely tickled to be able to kind of watch from the watch from a distance and see how people are doing on some of these things. Definitely. Yeah, he's become a uh, uh, a quick um, like pillar of our our servers community. He's he's always there commenting and and making me so hungry today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for any listeners, that his uh, YouTube is Talonax Armory, so you can check him out too. Um, yeah, he's kind of building a brand and doing some really cool stuff. Really nice guy. Yes, very much so. All right. Well, I think that brings us home. Um, we, uh, Jay, we thank you very much for being on and, and telling us about uh, your club and, and your brand and, and sitting here and talking with us and all that. I certainly appreciate the opportunity to get some more exposure. I was not really expecting it, so it was <laughs> kind of a nice surprise. Glad you, glad you joined us. All right, well, we'll uh, wrap this one up. Uh, We'll catch you guys on the next episode. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Hashtag paid stuff. (laughs) Nice. Wait, that's right.